Where are you headed? I'm headed to Tarshish. And you see, as far as he was concerned, he only saw his plan. What he did not see was God's plan. He said that he was running from God. He had to say that to himself. I'm just getting out of here. I don't want to go. I'm going the other direction. He thought that if he went far enough in that direction, and everything would be all right. You cannot run from God, listen, because all time and all space is in the presence of Almighty God. And so, impossible to run from Him. Where are you going to run? And you see, one of the problems we have in our society today is, is disobedience and discipline. Parents don't discipline their children. So what happens? They disobey their parents, and the parents, because they're afraid of being rejected by their children, do not discipline their children to teach them to obey God. So why do you expect kids to grow up obeying God whom they cannot see when they don't obey their parents whom they can see, and their parents let them get by with it, and their parents think they're doing the right thing? The truth is, you're doing them a great disservice when you do not discipline them. Somebody says, oh, I couldn't do something like that. You must do what God tells you to do in order to discipline your children to do what's right. Do you want them to do what's right? You're their teacher. You want them to grow up and be godly young men and women? They've got to see it in you first of all, and then if there's correction, that correction needs to be made in a way that's godly and honorable and the way that, listen, doesn't break a child's spirit but breaks their will until they're willing to submit to authority. They're not going to submit to divine authority if they're not submitting to human authority. And so the basic things about obedience, we cannot deny. And so God said to Jonah very clearly, here's what I want you to do. Jonah decided, that's not what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. And so he heads out. Now, the problem is when he got on board ship, the Scripture says that God hurled a great wind on the sea, and there was a great storm on the sea so that the ship was about to break up. And so they were so scared, they threw all of their cargo overboard, and uh, they began to ask, well, what's the problem and what's happening? And so they all got together. The captain went down into the ship, woke um, Jonah up, and uh, isn't it interesting that he went to sleep? Now, if he'd have had drugs, that's probably what he was on, alcohol, that's what people do today. In order to destroy their conscience, kill their conscience, deaden their conscience so they don't have to face God or get busy or something else, so he was down there sleeping, woke him up. Got him up on deck with everybody else, and they said, Whose fault is it? I guarantee you that Jonah already knew what was going to happen. So in those days, what they would do to cast lots, they'd put a bunch of white stones in a, uh, a bucket or something or whatever it might be, and they'd have one black one in there. And so everybody reached in. Don't you know that Jonah knew before he ever reached in that his was coming out? And that is simply that he was the guilty one. So he told them, well, it's my fault. I'm running from God. My God is the God who created the heavens and the earth. And so they said, well, what shall we do with you? Well, by this time, he was totally hopeless and helpless. He'd relegated himself to the fact that he was going to die. In fact, he wanted to die. Finally, they picked him up and threw him overboard. Well, was that an escape? No. He couldn't escape going to Joppa. He couldn't escape getting on the boat. He couldn't escape on his way to Tarshish. And he couldn't escape on the boat because uh, God exposed him there. And when they threw him into the sea, he couldn't escape there because the Bible says that God had prepared a great fish. And I think it was whale. And that's the most probable thing it could be. Swallowed him. Well, you'd think that convinced a guy would bring about real repentance, wouldn't you? And the Scripture says... Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to none of the great city, proclaim it, and make the proclamation which I'm going to tell you. This time he got up again. 
but this time he went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Nineveh was an exceeding great city, a three days walk. Now, here's what happened. He's headed three or four hundred miles in the opposite direction. So the whale throws him up, and he heads into the city, and he had a long, he had what, about a 500-mile walk, and it's three miles across, and he's into the city about a mile, and, uh, and then something begins to happen. So what I want you to see here is this. You can't get away from God. And the truth is, if you're honest, you don't want to run from God. And somebody says, well, I don't think I am. Well, are you living in obedience to Him? No. I'm doing what I th want to do in life. If you're doing what you want to do and you've ignored God, what you've done is you have run from God to your plans and your ideas and your future and your this and your that. You're running from God. Because, listen, God loves you and me enough that He doesn't say, well, you know, just forget it with Him. Forget. You have to become reprobate in mind, so far down into sin that you lose your sense. Listen, you literally lose your sense of right and wrong, and your conscience is totally seared before the Bible says God turns you over to it. So if you're living in rebellion toward God, does that mean you're hopeless? No. What I want to say to you is simply this, that first of all, it's impossible to run from God. And therefore, it is a waste of your time, a waste of your money, a waste of your energy, a waste of your efforts to run from God, because eventually you're going to have to face God one way or the other. Dr. Stanley's message reminded us that rebellion against God always has a high price. It affects not only your life, but the lives of those around you. God promises blessing for those who obey, and the longer you resist, the more you miss. We'll hear more about the story of Jonah tomorrow, and to listen again, click on Today on Radio at InTouch.org. While you're there, look around for resources that can help you stay focused on God. If you go to the bookstore page, you can order a copy of Dr. Stanley's complete message, The Costly Decision to Run from God. Again, you'll find these resources at intouch.org or call 1-800-IN-TOUCH. To write to us, address your letter to In Touch, Post Office Box 7900, Atlanta, Georgia, 30357. Are your actions more pleasing to God or to the world? Today's Moment with Charles Stanley helps you examine your mission as a believer. It's coming up. Trusting God each day can be a challenge, but working to grow that trust brings greater joy and peace than we could ever find on our own. In Trusting God with Today, the 365-day devotional from the teachings of Dr. Charles Stanley, we are encouraged to believe in God's love and rest in His purpose for us. Available now at intouch.org today. Have you ever forgotten something God taught you when you were reading the Bible? When we take note of what God reveals to us, it helps us to apply it to our lives. With the Charles F. Stanley Life Principles Journal, you can keep track of your spiritual journey and be transformed by God's truths. This journal features artwork of Dr. Stanley's 30 Life Principles, lined pages for writing, a prayer journaling section, and more. To order, call 1-800-IN-TOUCH or go to intouch.org slash journal. You're listening to In Touch. If you're a Christian, have you lost sight of what God has called you to do? Here's a moment with Charles Stanley. 
it's very easy for that to happen because in the midst of it all and all the things that we hear, all the things that we see, all of that is influencing us if we allow it to. And so what we have to remember is to keep our eyes upon the Lord and keep before us all the time what He's called us to do. Because every single believer is a missionary to some degree. And a missionary is someone who has been sent on a mission. It's very clear that all of us who are believers are sent. That is, He has called us to share our faith with other people. The mission's very clear. We share the gospel with them. We want to see them saved. Not our responsibility to save them, but our responsibility to give them the truth and let them make that decision in the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's easy for us to get caught up with the world and so mixed with it that we forget that the reason He's left us here is to be salt and light. That is, we make a difference. If our life's not making a difference, then we are failing God and His call upon our life. Learn more about making an impact on others with the love of Christ at InTouch.org. And if these truths are impacting your walk with Jesus, we'd love to hear your story. Tomorrow on InTouch, the life of Jonah teaches us many valuable lessons and will add to the list of warnings against running from God Friday on InTouch, the teaching ministry of Dr. Charles Stanley. This program is a presentation of In Touch Ministries, Atlanta, Georgia, and remains on this station through the grace of God and your faithful prayers and gifts. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. In a recent article published by the Washington Institute, professor and lawyer Eric Treen offered a robust alternative way of understanding Christian nationalism and its significance within American culture. Depending on who's talking these days, Christian nationalism is either the greatest danger to America or our only hope in resisting the onslaught of the progressive movement. But there is a better way. As Treen wrote, the current debate over Christian nationalism is just the most recent chapter of something that's an endemic part of the American story. Quote, can Christians honestly look around conclude that there's more nationalism melded with their faith than in the past? In 1941, President Franklin Roosevelt distributed a pocket New Testament to soldiers throughout the armed services with the inscription, As Commander-in-Chief, I take pleasure in commending the reading of the Bible to all who serve in the armed forces of the United States. End quote. At the same time, Trink continues, there are real reasons to be concerned about Christian nationalism. Quote, the alarmism about growing Christian nationalism is vastly overblown among some and deliberately manipulated for political reasons among others. But there is a there there. He's right. In fact, in the inaugural offering of our Breakpoint Forums, the Colson Center hosted two of American Christianity's keenest voices about the intersection of faith in the public square. Rusty Reno, chief editor at First Things, and Hunter Baker, the newly appointed provost of North Greenville University, addressed the issue of Christian nationalism. Not only do Reno and Baker hail from different church traditions, they took somewhat differing postures in the forum on what faithful citizenship looks like in this cultural moment. Dr. Reno's seriousness about where a secular globalist perspective has left us leads him to embrace what he called a soft Christian nationalism while objecting to the positions of some of its most outspoken and extreme advocates. As he put it, quote, you have to ask yourself what would you prefer, a Christian America or a secular America? I'd prefer a Christian America and in that sense 
Christian nationalism, end quote. On the other hand, Dr. Baker argued against using the title Christian nationalism while affirming the largely Christian influence on our nation throughout its history. He insisted that the nation and the church are better off without any kind of formal link, while the nation is still helped by the intentional influence of the church. Here's Dr. Baker, quote, It's like George Washington and the Bible. These are bulwarks of the United States in that period. But for most of our history, it's not the case that the United States government is sort of the official partner of the Christian faith, nor is it seeking to officially establish the Christian faith or Christian institutions, end quote. Well, the differences between our speakers was definitely illuminating, especially given their shared priority of Christian faith, grounding in Christian truth as revealed in Holy Scripture. Each one warned against the danger posed by our increasingly intolerant, secular, and progressive gatekeepers the ones who sit atop the cultural, academic, and political power structures in our society. The whole conversation was helpful and very enlightening. And while combatants on the extreme ends of this debate insist that it's only their way or the highway, Christians have to seek an increasing Christian influence without falling for the dangers that C.S. Lewis warned us against and got in the dock. He said, quote, By the mere act of calling itself the quote-unquote Christian party, it implicitly accuses all Christians who do not join it of apostasy and betrayal. We can do better than this. You can watch the recording of the entire Breakpoint Forum on Christian nationalism on YouTube. Working to see a nation become more Christian Christian doesn't make one a Christian nationalist. No, our goal has to be faithfulness. We can long for, and we can work for, Christian renewal in our time without, as Chuck Colson often warned against, looking for our salvation to arrive on Air Force One. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. Today's Breakpoint was co-authored by Dr. Timothy Paget. And for more resources to live like a Christian today, go to breakpoint.org.